I remember as, as a youth, as when I would be in church, when, I, when I'd come to a passage of scripture that may have been only maybe four or five verses that I knew that the pastor was preaching, I'd be like, glory, we're getting out early. And those ended up turning to be one of the longest sermons that I've heard. Hopefully that won't be the case today, but, uh, but let us go to the Lord in prayer. Let us set our minds and our hearts upon him even more. Let us pray. Father, we do thank you for this moment. We thank you for your word, dear Lord. We thank you that in many countries where people are being persecuted for even reading your word, that you have allowed us here this opportunity to freely worship you. So Lord, let us take every advantage of this opportunity. Would you please work in our minds, work in our hearts, and if there are any distractions, dear Lord, that you crowd them out, that we are left, even after today, with more of a sense and a presence of your work and your hand working in our lives. Father, please fill us with your spirit and wisdom. Please open our minds and our hearts to worship you. And Lord, we all have a job here to do today. The pastor's job to preach your word faithfully, and it is the congregation's job to test the spirits, to ensure what the pastor is proclaiming is truly your word. So please give us all discerning hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm 13. Psalm 13. And this message today is entitled, Abandoned by God. Abandoned by God. Now, one of my favorite Christmas movies is Home Alone. Some of you may have thought Oh, it's a wonderful life or something else. But, and I use Christmas ever so loosely. But it's Home Alone. Spoiler alert if you haven't seen it. Home Alone is a movie about an eight-year-old kid named Kevin McAllister, who is played by Macaulay Culkin. Kevin is this mischievous kid who is seen kind of as the outcast of the family. He is the youngest, and part of him being the youngest is not many, including his parents, pay a lot of attention to him. One of his brothers even tells him, Kevin, you are such a disease. His other older brother taunts him eating a piece of pizza Kevin specifically asked for, chews it up, and spits it out. By this point, Kevin has had it. He causes a disruption, is outright disrespectful to his parents, and gets sent to the attic where he wishes his family would disappear. The next morning, his family abandons him as they forget he's in the attic, leaving him to himself. Now, Kevin thinks this is the greatest thing in the world. The house to himself, no rules. He can do whatever it is he wants to do, whenever he wants, until he's faced with a trial. Two burglars named Marv and Harry, are scouting the neighborhood for houses to rob. They come across Kevin's house realizing he's home alone. And Kevin is faced with a question. And within this question, some Christians may face at one point 
in their lives or another, and it is this. How do we respond when we feel abandoned, not by family, but by God? How do we respond when we feel abandoned by, not by family, but by God? If you haven't done so already, turn with me to Psalm 13. And in today's passage, the psalmist gives us three approaches to how believers can respond when feeling abandoned by God. Three approaches to how believers can respond when feeling abandoned by God. Approach number one is this. Plead fervently. It's found in verses one and two. Petition earnestly. It's found in verses three and four. And praise substantially. Found in verses five and six. Plead fervently. Petition earnestly. Praise substantially. Read with me now as I read Psalm 13 aloud. Resist to the choir master a Psalm of David. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say, I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. This psalm begins with a title to the choir master. This tells us who it's written to, but the writer identifies himself and the type of literature. This is a psalm, or a psalm by David. David was the second king of the United Kingdom of Israel. He was father to Solomon, ancestor of Jesus, and writer of numerous psalms. If you want to read more about his life, you can read 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, 1 Kings and 1 Chronicles. A lot to say about David's life. Now, the Psalms are a collection of prayers, poems, and hymns that seek to focus the worshiper's thoughts on God in praise and glory. David begins by asking a question. He says, how long? This is the first of a series of questions or laments. If you remember, if you remember last week, Pastor Omar preached from Habakkuk, and the prophet had the same question in verse 2. It says, how long, O Lord, will I call for help and you will not hear? And today, friends, this psalm is an expansion. And this wasn't pre-planned either by myself or Omar. This was by the divine will of God. Four times in the first two verses, if you notice, he says, how long? 
lamentable questions are not foreign in the Bible either. Habakkuk had questions. David had questions. Job lamented and questioned God in Job 3. These type of questions can give us the indication that something is going on. Something has persisted for a good length of time. He's not asking how short. He's asking how long. Now, the interesting thing with these questions is this. They can reveal a lack of confidence that the pain and suffering will end, but also they can indicate a belief and trust in we know who has the power to make it stop. Look at who he's directing these questions to. Oh Lord, he's calling upon the name of the Lord. And isn't that what prayer is? Calling upon the name of the Lord? Calling upon the Lord to fulfill his promises? Communicating with God? How long, O oh Lord? O oh Lord, the covenantal name Yahweh, the supreme ruler, the sovereign one, the creator of heaven and earth, almighty and everlasting God. But sometimes, instead of praying to the Lord, we look to man for only what God can do. David knows who to call on in times of need. This is who we need to call on in times of need. The Lord. But he asks a second question. He says, will you forget me forever? Will you not remember me? Will you withhold help and comfort? This is expensive expressing some extreme emotion. Now we know the Lord is almighty, and David knows this, but this is dealing with more than just the loss of mental recalling. It has more to do with not answering his prayer. He feels abandoned by God. Lord, I've been calling out to you for some time, and I've heard no response. Has this ever been you? You've been calling out to the Lord specifically for certain things and you feel like he's not answering. He's not listening to you. Pain and suffering can have us feel like our experience has been forever and we forget the truths about who God is. When life is good, we forget about God. Trials come, and we are like, Lord, have you forgot about us? Lord, I've been praying to you, and yet you still haven't answered me. We tend to want God to answer our prayers in our timing, as he is dwelling in our creation, in our metaverse. We forget that he has the control. Lord, I've called out to you. You haven't answered. David continues, how long will you hide your face from me? How long will you conceal your face? The word face, as we know it, is a part of the human body containing unique features. For illustration purposes, if you feel like it, you turn to someone either on your right or you left. This person has a face. It could be big or small, round or thin, dark or light. But in the Bible, the word face can be used in a symbolic way to express the presence of God. How long, Lord, will you conceal your presence from me? The psalmist believes God has been absent from his life. He believes God has gone missing 
like $2 gas prices. He thinks God has withdrawn from him. He believes God has been indifferent to his situation. Why does he say that? Because God, if you remembered me, you would answer my prayer. If God hasn't forgotten me, he would act on my behalf according to his promise. As this line of questioning reflected some in our own hearts as well. Lord, I've been going through a hard marriage. When will you help things get better? Lord, I've been looking for a job. When will you help me obtain it? Lord, I need good grades in school. I've studied hard, but where are you? Lord, my kids or my grandkids don't listen, or I've asked for kids, or I've asked for good help or good health. Lord, where are you? Lord, I've been struggling with lust. Take it away. I've been repenting of my sins. I'm on this desolate island, and I'm suffering. I've been praying and looking for a spouse. I've been depressed. I've had thoughts of suicide. My heart is so heavy. The fighting won't stop. I don't remember this when I was enslaved to sin following Satan. It seemed easier. We start to think because God hasn't answered our prayers and our hardships that he has forgotten us. The pain, the worry starts to become like a nagging fruit fly in the summertime. You want to experience the sweetness and joys of Christianity, yet here's this fly buzzing around your ear, swatting, trying to get rid of him all to no avail. That's what sin is like. That's what trials are like. You believe being a Christian was only supposed to be sweet. And this questioning continues on in the verse two, where he says, how long must I take counsel, take advice, consult? Where? In my soul. In my soul. The word soul is used a number of different ways in Scripture. It is used here to refer to the center and transmitter of feelings and perceptions. The inner person the innermost being of where emotions and desires are found. He is wrestling internally. And it isn't necessarily verbal either. How long shall he take counsel from himself, he asks God. He has resorted to counseling internally. Can you identify with him? Well, what do you mean? Usually, it has something to do with reasoning within yourself, how can I fix my situation? We begin to depend upon ourselves instead of waiting patiently for the Lord's response. Lord, I, I need to fix this, and since God isn't answering my prayer, I'll figure it out. We start to trade worldly or secular responses for spiritual solutions. How long must I take counsel in my soul? And notice what else he says. And have sorrow, have agony, have grief. Where? In my heart. In my heart. Not one's organs, but the seat of where one's thoughts and emotions reside. Notice the interchangeableness with the word heart and soul. He has an intense amount of internal grief. It doesn't indicate physical pain, 
but more of a spiritual, emotional pain. He is frustrated because he cannot resolve the difficulty. Imagine Job's difficulty, going through intense pain and wondering how long. Think of Christ's experience and crying tears of blood and asking, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The psalmist can't resolve this issue. He has sorrow in his heart, and look at how he has it, the time frame, all the day. From morning to midday to afternoon, to evening, to night. Every time I try, I fail. In our day, it may be every time I apply for a job, or every time I go out on a date, every time we try for kids, every time I go to the doctor, every time I wake up on and on more and more grief. You get to the point where sometimes you wish you didn't wake up. He moves on to the last of the how longs. How long shall my enemy? Now we are introduced to who or what may be the cause of David's agony. We find out he's got beef with somebody. This enemy, we find, he feels, is exalted over him. He is lifted up. The fact that he is questioning God about this, though, regarding his adversity, could indicate he may believe that God is responsible for the cause of his misery. How long will you hide your face from me? How long shall I continue to take counsel within myself? Where are you, Lord? When we feel abandoned by God, we do well to respond like the psalmist and plead fervently. Plead fervently. In the last 20 days, in the last 10 days, we've had elderly black people killed in a supermarket in Buffalo. We've had Asian churchgoers killed in Southern California. Now we have children murdered in a school. When are we going to do something? I'm tired. I'm so tired of getting up here and offering condolences to devastated families that are out there. I'm tired of the moments of silence. Enough! We are going to play this, this game tonight, but I want every person here, every person listening to this, to think about your own child or grandchild, mother or father, sister, brother. How would you feel if this happened to you today? This wasn't me, but this was the Golden State Warriors head coach Steve Kerr making an impassioned plea to take stronger action against gun violence in the United States after 19 children and two adults were killed at Robb Elementary School in Uvalde, Texas. How long, O oh Lord? Now, here's the connection. If this NBA coach can plead fervently and demonstrate compassion as to the loss of lives, how much more believers should lead the charge pleading with the Lord for, number one, the salvation of others, the return of Christ, and for evil to end. Lord, how long will you allow this to continue? But what is another approach in how we can respond when we feel abandoned by God? It is found in verses 3 and 4, petition earnestly. Verse 3 says, consider or look. Look upon me with favor and answer me. 
The verb forms here are intense, and they are commands. Reply to me, Lord. I need immediate action. Answer me, O Lord. It's ironic, because the Lord knows all. But desperate times call for desperate measures. Once again, we see David calling upon the name of the Lord, the God of Israel. He is appealing on the basis of covenant. But this time, he makes it personal by saying, my God, the Hebrew word Elohim, the God of creation. He adds, light up my eyes. Cause my eyes to be enlightened. Help me to see. Illuminate them. This could be in reference to light through instruction or show favor and answer my prayer. Bring light to my eyes lest, and this is the first of three reasons why the Lord, he asks, should answer his petition. He says, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Father, help my eyes to see light, lest I will die. If God does not step in, the psalmist believes he may die. Without divine intervention, David is thinking death, decay, destruction, and defeat will be the result. This is a sleep that may result in death. Lord, if you do not answer me, this could be the end. I need you now. I need my eyes opened. Now we move into the second reason, and he says it in verse 4. Lest my enemy say, I have prevailed over him. Now, now we have more context to the psalmist's problems. God, if you don't look at me and answer me, my enemy will say, I have overcome him. I have triumphed over him. If you don't demonstrate your presence upon me, it will give my enemy confidence believing he has triumphed over me. He will believe he has won. He has the victory. This is the same type of language Jeremiah uses in Lamentations 1, verse 16, when he says, For these things I weep. My eyes flow with tears. For a comforter is far from me, one to revive my spirit. My children are desolate, for the enemy has prevailed. Now, as powerful as David was, and as strong as his soldiers were, he knew that without divine intervention, defeat was certain. Have you thought that way as well? Lord, if you don't intervene, I am surely to have doom. Have you petitioned or asked the Lord so earnestly that you are desperate for his response? You are desperate for God to work because you know that without his aid, you will drown in a pool of despair. God can defeat your enemies. God can work at your jobs. God can work in your marriage. God can work through our trials. Nothing is too mighty for the Almighty God. David is a good example here of recognizing his inability to change his situation and embracing the power that can. He recognizes he cannot do this on his own. And neither can you or I. Amen. Spiritual defeat 
is certain when we don't have the aid of God's strengthening hand. Lord, the enemy will begin to think you are not on my side and your word is not true. But Psalm 16 verse 8 says, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. He continues with reason number three. He says, lest my foes or my adversaries, those who are opposed to the psalmist, lest they rejoice. They will rejoice. Why? Because I am shaken. My foes will rejoice because I have been removed from my place. As a faithful believer, King David will be seen as one pathetic loser if his enemies would triumph over him and his faith. But if not, God would have to answer his prayer. I need you to answer me, God, and here are my requests. Here are my reasons. But most importantly, Lord, fulfill your promises. Fulfill your promises. Lord, you have made a covenant with your people. Now show me your faithfulness. Show me your glory. I need your presence in my life. I need my eyes to be enlightened, for my enemy thinks he has prevailed. When you petition earnestly, you are asking and acknowledging, God, I need you. I can't do this without you. Please hear me. Please respond to me. However, many of us treat prayer like insurance. What do you mean? Most of us have insurance, whether car, life, homeowners, health, and we don't think about it until something goes wrong. But when something goes wrong, we quickly get to our phones, we quickly get to our wallets and pull out them insurance cards, and we take them out to help us in this bad situation. But for some of us, prayer is like insurance. It is just in case. Insurance is just in case something happens. And it is really easy to forget about it until we need it to get us out of a jam. It's something we are glad to have when we are caught in a problem we can't fix. We treat prayer much like the same way. We only use it when we are caught in a problem we can't fix. Lord, help us to be a praying people. We have looked at the first two approaches believers should enact when feeling abandoned by God. Plead fervently, petition earnestly. And now let us look at the last approach. Praise substantially in verses 5 and 6. Verse 5. When you read the scriptures, you grow to love the conjunction, but. Amen. Amen? You grow to love the conjunction, but. I was dead in my sins and my trespasses, but, but God. Come on. Come on. <laughs> Although the enemy may have thought he has won Notice the actions of the psalmist. His tone is completely different. But I have trusted. This isn't a one-time occurrence. This is a continual trust. But I have trusted and will continue to trust. I am confident. But what will you continue to trust, David? In your steadfast love your loyal love, 
You're preserving love. The word here in the Hebrew is hesed. And it is used in reference to God's covenantal love toward his people. David's trust is based on an understanding of God's character and who he is. He knows God is committed to his people. He knows God will fulfill his covenant obligations. He knows God won't go back on his word. He knows God will answer his prayer. Why? Because he knows that this type of love, loyalty produces, or produces loyalty. What about you? What about us? In our last hardship, how did God respond to our prayers? In our last hardship, how did we see God respond to our prayers? In what ways have God showed his faithfulness in answering our prayers? When is the last time you have sat back and thought about the different ways God has answered prayers throughout your life. One thing that can be helpful is keeping a prayer journal, specifically writing down petitions and giving praise for his answers. But we also need to recognize that God's answers to our prayers are not always yes. He sometimes says yes, he sometimes says no, and he sometimes says not yet. Have you this past week obediently and actively looked to see how God has shown his presence in your life? One way in doing this is reflecting, too, on what you are thankful for. And what can you give praise to God for? David continues, with my heart shall rejoice in your salvation. My heart will praise. It will have joy in you rescuing me. It shall rejoice in you rescuing me from sin, death, and destruction. First, I want you to notice this. If you look back to the first half of the psalm, the tone of the psalmist was anxious and worried. How long, Lord? How long? How long? It was the urgent cry of the afflicted, the heart aching, the broken soul. Now he is speaking words of confidence. He has a little pep in his step, a little swagger to him. God has revived him. His heart has been changed. He is rejoicing in God's deliverance because he trusts in God's loyal love. And we don't know. Maybe the Lord did answer his prayer. Earlier he was anxious, he was worried, asking for help. But notice, his tone is different by the end of this song. God had worked. Family, God can give you peace in the midst of a storm. He doesn't promise your situation will change. In fact, things may get harder. But what does he say? Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And get this, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The Titanic is going down, and you are chilling in the back of the boat. No. But Jesus doesn't promise your circumstances will change, but he does promise to give us peace. You can have peace even if nothing changes except you. Although he most certainly, God most certainly has the power to change the situation if he wills. And some of you today may be feeling as if you have been abandoned by God. 
you may have wanted to give up praying. There is an endless list of things that you are tired of. You are spiritually dry, dying of thirst, and you need it quenched. But listen, Gatorade and vitamin water will not satisfy the thirst you are longing for. They won't help you in the midst of a dry spiritual season. The creation cannot do what the creator can. Jesus says, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. The question is, do you believe in him? Do you believe God has the power to answer your prayers? Do you want that peace today? Because Jesus has held out his hand. He says, come to you, all of you who are heavy laden. He can give you rest. Do you recognize the sin, not only in the world, but the sin in your own heart. Over 2,000 years ago, a man named Jesus, who was 100% God and 100% man, was sent from his father to die for the sins of his people. Do you believe that he died upon the cross? Do you believe that he died upon the cross for our sins and death and rose on the third day from the grave? He overcame sin, death, and destruction and the, its curses, and he can overcome any minuscule problem we have here today. Have you given your life over to him? This is a dramatic life change, a hating of sin, a hating of the things that displeases God, a yearning for another life because you recognize you are an alien in this world. You turn on the TV and all you see is sin, all you hear is sin all around us, and then you're dealing with your own problems and you're like, Lord, where is the peace? Lord, where are you? I need you. And Jesus says, I can give you rest. No more pain. No more agony, no more corona, no more sin. If this is you, Jesus says those who believed in him would, re, re, would receive the Spirit. And fruit of that will be evident in your life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, meekness, self-control. Not perfect but continual repentance and everlasting joy. If you believe that Jesus is the Christ, you can have this same confidence that David has possessed here in verse 5 because you will trust in God's steadfast love. David concludes in verse 6 by saying, I will sing to the Lord. He will praise he will make musical sounds with his voice or his words set to a tune with possible musical accompaniment. But does he say this is just going to be any song? No. He says this song will be specifically to the Lord. He will make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Sorrow is no longer filling his heart, but melodies are coming from his lips. The psalmist isn't just singing, but he is singing to the Lord. Why? Because he has dealt bountifully to me. The Lord has done good to him. He sings songs concerning the Lord's goodness because he knows God's love for his people. He knows the Lord will give him strength to endure his hardship. He anticipates God's answers to his prayers, and he praises while he waits. This should cause us to pause for a moment. When going through trials, do we confidently hope and expect for God to deliver us? Sometimes we approach, well, I just prayed for him. That's all I can do. 
No, that's the greatest thing you can do. You have just prayed to the almighty God to work. And then you have to expect God to answer. I don't know when he will, but I know that God will answer because I know of his love for his people. When going through trials, do we confidently hope and expect for God to deliver us? If so, how do we respond? Do we respond with joy in our hearts, praising God for what he has done and what he will do? In 2019, right before the pandemic, my grandmother died of a stroke. I remember the year before, though, I was having a conversation with her. She was then 95 years old. We were going through her history, hearing about her hardships of growing up in the South, in New Orleans, New Orleans, moving to St. Louis, enduring the, the pains of discrimination, attempt, attempting to provide better for her children, dealing with a husband who was a Vietnam vet, or a World War II vet, I'm sorry, raising her children, developing breast cancer, having arthritis, along with joints hurting, dealing with the loss of family members, to eventually her heart failing and receiving a pacemaker. And she was going through the history about the trials and hardships in her life. She told me, Warner, you know what my favorite song is? I said, no, you failed to cover that in the last 50 years. What song? She said, this song brings me so much joy. And I want it sung at my funeral. She said, I won't complain. She says, because God has been good to me. And he brings me so much joy. Now, if we had an organ, I would sing it. But the lyrics to the song reads this. I've had some good days. I've had some hills to climb. I've had some weary days and some sleepless nights. But when I, when I look around and I think things over, all of my good days outweigh my bad days. I I won't complain. Sometimes the clouds hang low. I can hardly see the road. I ask a question, Lord, Lord, why so much pain? But he knows what's best for me. Although my weary eyes, they can't see. So I'll just say, thank you, Lord. I won't complain. My grandmother could praise God substantially because she knew that despite everything she had endured in life, God had been displaying his covenantal love towards her. And not just her, God has been displaying his covenantal love to each of us here today as well. We have looked at three approaches to how believers can respond when feeling abandoned by God. Plead fervently, Petition earnestly and pray substantially. Back to Home Alone. Kevin thought his family had abandoned him. He thought they had forgotten him at the most important time of the year. And at the end of this movie, he realized they had not abandoned him. They came at the perfect time. And although this movie is fiction, Think of the truths that it presents for believers. I want us to think and be assured of something. God answers, his pr answers our prayers in his perfect timing. Jesus gave a promise to his people. The writer of Hebrews says, keep your life free from the love of money, and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So if you've been born again, 
and trust Christ for your salvation, you can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man can do to me. And if you are one feeling abandoned by God, or you simply need a reminder, remember this, God is with his children. Now, if you are needing prayer today because you are feeling abandoned by God, I'd be happy to pray with you or find someone close to you and let them know you need prayer. You've been feeling abandoned by God. You've been praying for a specific thing, and you felt that God hasn't answered you. Well, we are a community here of believers who love each other and would be happy to pray with one another. He doesn't leave like the forgetful, unfaithful parent or family member. No matter the hardship, no matter the struggle, trust God at all times. Pour out your hearts before him, for he is our refuge in a time of trouble. Amen. 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 Let us pray. Father, many of us have questioned at one time or another, how long? How long, O Lord? Lord, we have felt at times that you have hidden your face from us. And we need to be encouraged today. Lord, remind us, remind our hearts that you are with us. That no matter the hardship, no matter the trial, the struggle, you are with your people. So Lord, help us to wait expectantly looking for your answer, looking towards you, the author and perfecter of our faith, so that we may be like the psalmist at the end, rejoicing, because we have trusted in your steadfast love, knowing our position with you and our salvation, and singing unto you because you have dealt good to us. You have dealt bountifully to us. Thank you for this day, O Lord, in which you have made. Encourage our hearts, even as we sing now unto you. In Jesus' name, Jesus. amen.